to The Regional Roundup, a production of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition, a network of public and community radio stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah and New Mexico, including this one. I'm Maeve Conran, the Coalition's Managing Editor, and today we'll hear how vulnerable members of Indigenous communities all across the Rocky Mountain West are being targeted by predatory addiction treatment centres many based in Arizona. And it wasn't just the Navajo Reservation, it was the Hopi Reservation. It was the reservations here in um, Arizona. Now we're finding out it's a Montana. Then an ultramarathon champion is facing his next challenge, his father's diagnosis of dementia. But even though the diagnosis, again, maybe it's not a surprise, it's still, it's not news that you want to hear. From the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition, It's the Regional Roundup. On May 16th, the Governor of Arizona announced that the state would be taking action against fake rehab centres that have been targeting Indigenous communities throughout the Rocky Mountain West, including the Navajo Nation and the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe in Colorado. In addition to defrauding the state out of millions in Medicaid payments, the centres have been coming onto tribal land and luring vulnerable people, sometimes with drugs and alcohol, to these centres where they often didn't get treatment and were subsequently stranded far from home. The state's Attorney General, Chris Mays, said she believes the Indigenous communities are owed an apology. And, and I'll just speak for myself as the Attorney General of the state. I believe the state of Arizona owes our tribal nations an apology. Community members have been raising the alarm about this for months. And on May 5th, victims' advocates held a walk in downtown Phoenix calling for action. Crystal Ashkey of KSUT Tribal Radio and Chris Clements of KSJD have been reporting on the issue. Crystal, let's start with you. How and when did you first become aware of this issue? I'm a Navajo Nation member. And it was kind of hard for me to believe. I've been part of, like, I'm part of social media. I saw this post by Kara Willetta, and she kind of, hey, there's people coming out to the Navajo Nation. We had to, like, call the cops on them. And it was, like, this whole kind of story. I was just, like, in disbelief because I grew up on the Navajo Nation. I know about the Navajo Nations. So I kept up with it. And then I found out finally when I really could get some solid source on it, which was the Navajo Nation police. There was a post put out by them last year. It was like, oh, wow, this is serious. Well, you spoke with Roland Dash, Sergeant Dash, who's with the Navajo Police Department. And as you said, they had put a warning out on their Facebook feed, warning people about these vans that were showing up in the communities. Right now, it's a constant thing of these guys showing up here and taking these individuals down. I made contact with uh, FBI on this whole thing. I made contact with my superiors on, on everything that's going on provided them with information. I made contact with CI, our criminal investigator here in Tuba City. Oh, wow, what's going on here? Well, Chris, I'd like to bring you in now because you've been reporting recently on this. There was a big day of action, a big rally that happened in Phoenix, Arizona on May 5th. 
How did you become involved in reporting on this and who have you spoken to? I, I kind of found out about this issue because I'm on a lot of Facebook groups and um, I eventually joined one called Predatory Treatment Centers. And I think it was started by a victim's advocate named Reva Stewart and, and Colleen, um, her, her friend. Both of them have had you know, relatives who have gone missing as a result of this process. And they told me about folks who are being taken that are sort of in our area, Toyok, Colorado, at the, in the Ute Mountain Ute Reservation, and in, all throughout Kayenta, Arizona, and Red Mesa. Now we're finding out it's in Montana. It's in South Dakota. You know, we've got one from Nevada, California, and they're brought down here into the valley. And last count, we had over 3,000 homes that we, we've been able to, to find out about. What is the regulatory or what has been the regulatory framework that has facilitated this to even happen? Um, according to Reva, you know, these rehabs, these treatment centers, sober living homes, they started proliferating during the years of the pandemic because... There was just sort of um, a policy at that point where if you wanted to start a home like this, this is all according to her, you could just call Access, um, which is Arizona's Medicaid program, and sort of get licensed that way. There are a number of unlicensed homes, I think, um, operating out there. That was sort of one way that they got started. And, and I think it just in general, there was a large public health blind spot during the pandemic as a result of the lockdowns and quarantine. And that's kind of how it began. And now, according to Reva, these homes are getting paid through multiple different streams of like income. One of them is being registered as an Indian health provider under Access, which I think is its own payment. And then another is taking folks to intensive outpatient centers that are nearby for classes, and they get paid to do that, sort of kickbacks by the outpatient centers themselves, um, according to Reva. This process is kind of quite complicated, and, and I think even the FBI and people who are involved, everyone is all still figuring out exactly how it works. Well, Reva organized that rally that I said happened in Phoenix on May 5th, but she's also testified before the Arizona state legislature, and there has been some slight change there? Yes. So the kickbacks I mentioned from these IOPs, they're called, um, they aren't going to be as easy to come by now because Access has made a change to its policy that basically says that they will now pay less money than they previously were for folks who are being taken to IOPs that are under Access's um, American Indian Health Program. And so now that that change has been made. Um, Reva told me she predicts that thousands of indigenous folks in the Phoenix area are going to be unhoused, um, kicked out essentially from these homes because they are no longer sort of bringing in the, the same amount of money that they were. There's going to be a lot more unsheltered relatives because a lot of these homes will just shut, shut down and um, ask you to leave. On May 11th, Navajo Police Department Deputy Chief Ron Silversmith posted two videos on the police department's Facebook page, cautioning Navajo Nation communities about various predatory rehab centres that were picking people up off and on the Navajo Nation land. The first video was in the Navajo language. That was followed by a video in English. 
did an operation down in the Phoenix Valley to really... Um, Deputy Chief Silversmith described in the video how many people were being enticed away from the Navajo Nation. Either voluntarily or have been uh, drugged or uh, coerced uh, by meals. Lured by, by food. Alcoholic uh, beverages. Alcohol, uh, sometimes alcohol laced with drugs and the promise of treatment. End up, uh, subjecting themselves or going down to these rehabilitation centers down in the uh, Phoenix Valley. Well, Crystal, we heard how indigenous communities all across the West are being targeted by these predatory centers. But as we heard, you yourself, you're from the Navajo Nation. For people who aren't familiar with the Navajo Nation, what is it about it that makes people so extremely vulnerable to these predatory centers and these predatory practices? I know when I go back to the Navajo Nation, I can see it, you know, like there's a lot of people that walk everywhere, everywhere. We don't have a good transit system that runs from, you know, certain times every 15 minutes. I mean, you're looking at, I mean, we're our vulnerability. If you were to travel on the Navajo Nation, I guarantee you'll see an elder, you'll see a young woman, you'll see it young man, you'll see someone walking on the road, putting their hand out. And that's where these basically predatory treatment centers are taken advantage of. And they know it. They, they know where to go. Chris Delashke of KSUT Tribal Radio and Chris Clemens of KSJD. You can find their stories on the predatory treatment centres at tribalradio.org and ksjd.org. You're listening to The Regional Roundup, a production of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. I'm Maeve Conlon. Travis Macy is an author, a coach and a professional endurance athlete. He has competed in and won multiple events around the world, including the Leadville series. That includes a marathon run, a 50 mile bike race that takes place every year in Colorado. He placed second in the 24 hours of Moab. That's Utah's biggest mountain biking event. And he's won numerous other events. Travis, who lives in Salida, Colorado, could now be facing his biggest challenge, a diagnosis that his father received several years ago. My dad, Mark Macy, also known as Mace, uh, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's in 2018 when he was 64. I think for most families, if I had to guess, the diagnosis of Alzheimer's or some other neurodegenerative disease uh, probably doesn't come as a surprise to family members who've been spending time around that person because very often the symptoms have been there for uh, you know some amount of time and in our case I would think that my dad probably could have been diagnosed two or three years earlier uh, you know had he been uh, ready at that time to you know start uh, you know seeking a, a diagnosis or consultation. Um, but even though the diagnosis, again, maybe it's not a surprise, uh, 
it, it's still it's not news that you want to hear. And and I know for for me, um, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, Maeve. And uh, you know, I, I experienced a number of months with you really struggling with uh, anxiety and depression and some panic attacks. And you know, in hindsight, this uh, you know, sort of uh, helter skelter, crazy, crazy uh, scampering to try to. In hindsight, I realize is trying to grasp control to some degree over something that, you know, largely there's a ton of uncertainty uh, and a lot that's out of your control. That doesn't mean there's not anything that you can do. And maybe we'll talk some about that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really hard news. And, you know, it was, it was hard news for for our whole family. You know, in, in some ways, I think that my my dad, he kind of. You know, he he and my mom led the way from the start with, uh, you know, um, maintaining optimism, uh, you know, maybe some degree of of acceptance, even though my dad did definitely fight back. Um, but but also from the start, my dad was never ashamed of it. He, he never did. He have a sense of like, oh, let's hide this or I don't want people to know or you know, whatever. I, I mean, he was at back at the rec center the next day and, you know, talking to the other old guys in the locker room about, Hey, I just got diagnosed with Alzheimer's and, you know, the other guys are, Oh, you know, I got diagnosed with this or that. And, and, uh, and I think that's his, his openness to, um, discussing it is that's been a, a huge strength, I think for, for him and for all of us. Travis and his dad, Mace have written a book together, a mile at a time, which shares their family's journey with Alzheimer's. Uh, this Alzheimer's journey made for me is, has forced me to grow up in a whole different way. You know, here I was going along 35 years old, you know, house kids, <laughs> work, career, uh, you know, felt like an adult. And, and I quickly realized I was going to have to grow up in, in a whole new way. And And for me, one takeaway there is is life uh, has a whole lot less black and white, you know, wrong, right, yes or no, and, and just a lot more gray area that we can be okay with, uh, you know, and, and taking things a- as they come, um, you know, for, for good or for bad. So, uh, you know, for, for dad, for example, like in, in 2019, it was a good fit for us to go to Fiji and, and you know, start this 10 day adventure race out in the jungle, you know, like a, a whole bunch of running, biking, trekking, ropes, paddling, um, you know, pretty big undertaking, uh, a, a year after that, um, in 2020, like, dur- you know, during the COVID shutdown, it was a good fit for he and I to, uh, embark on this, um, Leadville race series, vertical challenge thing, where you kind of track your vertical gain running and biking, uh, you know, and, and they, uh, you know, you, you get one of the famous Leadville belt buckles and stuff, you know, still a pretty big endeavor. Um, the year after that, a good fit for him was, was to do the 50 mile running race at Leadville. And that's, that's still a big undertaking, you know? Um, and we went out there and, uh, we, we missed a time cutoff. We, we made it about 50 K so, you know, 31 or 32 miles. And at that point we missed the the cutoff time at the aid station. And, you know, we're, the, those are the rules of the race, whether you have Alzheimer's or not, you're, you're done. And, uh, you know, and, the, and that was, um, again, my previous mode of thinking was like, you know, finish or die. Like we don't miss cutoffs, you know, in a new way of thinking is, well, we did our best. We got a good experience and heck dad, we just made it 50 K like, you know, and, and so we were really proud of it. Um, you know, a year after that last year, uh, doing the half marathon at Leadville, which is still a big, 
you know, you, you start in Leadville, you go up to Mosquito Pass at almost 13,000 feet, you come back down. Um, that was a good, big challenge. That was about all, you know, that we could handle in a day. And um, th- this year, our goal is is to do to to make it through the the 10K road running race in, in Leadville in August. And, um, you know, at this point, that, that'll it's a that'll be a big challenging endeavor for my dad um but he's psyched for it and get and it gives him you know even now tracking how far am i going what is the leadville thing when is the leadville thing all those things are pretty hard to track but you know he knows man i got something coming up in leadville and i love going there and you know let's get out there and do it travis macy says he hopes other families who are dealing with alzheimer's will be inspired by the book and his family's experience he says this can be a very isolating time, but staying connected to community is crucial. Engagement is is key. And for my dad, that is that's outdoor sports. Uh, you know, and four years ago that was running, biking, paddling, yoga. Um, you know, now it's it's just he calls it running. It's kind of more trekking. Uh, he still goes uphill fast because he's fit. You know, he can hike up a steep hill faster than than almost anyone. But his balance is off. His uh, his visual spatial challenges are very significant, which makes downhills very slow and makes it impossible, you know, for him to ride a bike anymore. Um, but it's um, it, it you know being out there, being outside and active, it 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 keeps pushing that edge, you know, of what's possible. And in that way, it, it you know, it slows the decline mentally and, and physically. And, and furthermore, you know, when people are engaged with the thing that they love, and again, this could be running or music or art or, you know, choo- choose whatever your thing is, um, they're, they're usually more comfortable. And, and I, I'm seeing that there's also, you know, this, this innate, uh, you know, whether it's muscle memory or it's just a, a memory of this is what I do and this is what makes me feel good. Um, you know, for someone with Alzheimer's, uh, you know, you're talking about numbers or a schedule or what did we do yesterday? What are we doing tomorrow? All of th- those things are, you know, they become more and more impossible and they become very challenging and stressful and, you know, create anxiety. Uh, but, you know, for, for my dad, and I think this is probably true for other people, when you're in that scene of doing what it is that you love, it's simple and you just go. And, uh, you know, and, and that's why he keeps going outside every day, you know, usually with my mom, sometimes alone with, with me and with his buddies as much as possible. You know, it's hugely important. And, and I tell you what, I have, um, I have been so inspired by my dad's friends. You know, these are, these are other men in their 60s and 70s who who I think are, you know, breaking down <laughs> generational and gender barriers by showing love and friendship, like digging deep. I mean, my dad, he, he hasn't been able to drive for five years, but, you know, some of these guys can still drive. They come over, they pick them up, they drive to the trail and they go on their trek and they're out on their run, you know, and, and OK, one guy's got Alzheimer's, one guy's got a, you know, bum hip, you know, someone else has this challenge, but they're just a bunch of guys out doing their thing. And um, it's uh, it really inspires me. You know, they're they're teaching me how to how to be uh, a friend. It, it never always gets worse. In other words, you can be having a really low period as a caregiver, a family member, as a person who's been diagnosed with a neurodegenerative condition. Um, and, and you think like, oh, well, here I am now. It's only going to get worse. Um, you know, it, it may not. 
I hope people take away that uh, that life's a team sport and and we gotta we gotta play this game um, together. Uh, I, I hope that they take away the importance of of talking about this stuff, communicating, talking with your with your friends, with your family, with your community, with other people. You're you're not alone in this thing. Travis Macy, endurance athlete and author, has written a new book, A Mile at a Time. You've been listening to The Regional Roundup, a production of the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah and New Mexico, including this one. Thanks to Crystal Ashkey of Tribal Radio and Chris Clements of KSGD, to author and endurance athlete Travis Macy in Salida, Colorado, and thanks to Aspen Public Radio. Our theme music is Take Me Somewhere by Joel Adam Russell. I'm Maeve Conran. Thanks for listening.